Welcome to Flint Co. Forward, our ecosystem of innovation. We have an exciting announcement as Flint Co. is working with our client, the Texas Facilities Commission, to produce a multi-part podcast series discussing the redevelopment of the Capitol Complex in Austin, Texas. It is with Texas history in mind and an eye on the future that the Texas Facilities Commission has embarked on a once-in-a-generation undertaking, the complete transformation of the Capitol Complex, blending state government with a pedestrian-friendly mall in the heart of Austin, Texas. Hello and welcome to part three of a special podcast series from Flint Co., bringing you an exclusive look at the TFC Capital Complex project in Austin, Texas. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and today we're going to be discussing the 1801 Congress Shell and Core Office Building Project. And to effectively cover all of the moving parts that go into a project like this, we're welcoming four guests onto the podcast today. First, we have Ruben Martinez, president of Martinez Moore Engineers. Ruben, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next, we have Tom Stuhler, Vice President, Senior Project Architect for HKS. Tom, thank you for being here as well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we also have Brian Eason, Senior Project Manager for HKS. Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Great to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Great to have you. And finally, we have Jason Riley, Senior Superintendent for Flint Co. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Tyler. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So uh, let's get this whole thing started. Let's kick it off. So Jason, uh, just to get us uh, get the ball rolling, give us an idea of the size and the scope of this particular project at 1801 Congress and the various roles that each person on the podcast today plays in the overall completion of this project. So the 1801 Congress project, um, also referred to as the George H.W. Bush building, is a 15-story office Uh, tower that sits on a four-story below-grade garage. The people on the phone, you've got Ruben Martinez, who is the structural engineer for the project, and then you have HKS, you have Tom, and you have Brian. They are the architects uh, responsible for uh, the design. Excellent, excellent. So, Brian, from your perspective at HKS, how many people have had to come together to produce the six packages that have gone into this phase of the Texas Capitol Complex project? The package four is what the 1801 Congress project is. And so that's what Tom and I and Ruben and are associated with. And uh, there's uh, 10 or 12 consultants that HKS have, uh, Ruben being one of those, the structural engineer. Um, but there's all sorts of engineers and different consultants that are working on this project with teams, you know, in their own right. And so, I mean, there's literally hundreds of people on the design side uh, working on this project. And then, then you, Jason, talk about a little bit about here, I'm sure in a minute, about the, the contracting size or the construction size. But um, it was a months long process just to win the job. And then um, once we did, it was, you know, we're, we're collaborating not only again within our team, but with five other teams working on five other packages all itself and the, and the landscaped area on top and then another building at 1601 Congress. And so it's been an, an intense Again, years-long process of getting to a point where where Jason and his team could could even start, you know, digging a hole and start construction on this project. Absolutely, yeah, just uh, a ton of different people all coming together. And and Tom, what that I guess kind of triggers in my mind is just the amount of coordination that goes into a project like this. So tell me about the coordination efforts with the various Texas Facilities Commission's agencies, um, just to keep a project like this on track. Yeah, there is a lot of coordination necessary. Uh, as Brian mentioned, there's five other packages uh, in addition to ours. So package six is handling the 
underground garage and plaza portion. And of course, our project touches that. So we've had a lot of coordination just with that other architect. But amongst our own group, you know, a, a typical office building involves a lot of coordination between structure, mechanical systems, data. And this being a government job, they're very concerned about security and data transference. So we've had a lot of additions with the Texas Facility Commission's internal security team, just making sure that they you know have everything in the building that's going to allow them to function. And then we, one of our tenants in the building is actually the Department of public service. So they're very key in, you know, having a a well-rounded security and data system as well. Absolutely. Those are all uh, really important aspects that that go into a project like this, obviously. And so, um, Ruben, I want to come around to you because you have some history working on capital complex projects and your firm does as well. So give us some of the background story on this and some of the history involved. You know, Martinez Moore Engineers is the firm that um, I'm the president of and we're the structural engineer of of record. Uh, But we partner up with nationally, I'd say internationally renowned engineering consulting firm, Walter P. Moore. I'm the Martinez and Martinez Moore. They're the the Moore in the name. And Walter P. Moore Sr. himself, PE number 116, was the structural engineer of record of the Texas Supreme Court building back in 1956. Oh, wow. When you think about the history that we get to continue that story with 1801 Congress, but I enjoyed tying the story of Walter P. Moore Sr. at the Capitol Complex in 1956 through projects he did in the 70s, through projects that when his son took over, um, Walter P. Moore was responsible for, uh, like the Texas Law Center, the Capitol Extension, the Bob Bullock, which was another HKS project that they did with Walter P. Moore. And then in the the 90s, um, I worked with my my mentor, Javier Odvier, on State Garage R, which, um, you know, it's a garage, but it was mine. It was um, it was from the late 90s. Um, I remember flying in for a pre-construction meeting at the old airport. And, you know, when you can tie all that together and continue to contribute to a very important part of, of Texas that a lot of people one day will get to enjoy everything that this complex is going to have to offer. It, it's just something I find very fulfilling to to not only contribute to this project now, but to know that there's been a long history of, uh, of contributing to, to the, the state of Texas. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool to get a chance to talk to you and to hear a little bit about the, the history there and you continuing that on through this project. And so that's that's really awesome to, to hear a little bit more about for sure. So Jason, what are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles to overcome when you're taking on a project like this? Um, you know, obviously there are going to be things that are unforeseen, but what are some of those big challenges and obstacles that, that you guys have to deal with? Well, there's a couple. Um, one of them you already kind of mentioned earlier, which was the coordination aspect. And I know that uh, Tom and Brian talked a little bit on their end from a design team standpoint, but from a construction standpoint, uh, this job is five phases. It is six phases in that range of work. And all of those phases are not done or being performed by one general contractor or being designed by one architect. And so there's a lot of different challenges where these projects meet and come together. Um, and there's a lot of coordination in that on Flintco's end or the general contractor side of coordinating that work with the other general contractor to make sure that what we're providing is something that they can tie in or vice versa. And that's a little bit unique to construction because most people from a general contracting standpoint, when you get a job, it's your job. You got to deal with yourself and you got to deal with all of your subcontractors or the trade partners that are helping you you know, build the building, but you don't have to deal so much with 
other general contractors, and even their trade partners. And so you multiply the coordination of 15 to 20 groups, you triple it. You know, you're dealing with mm-hmm. 60 to 70 different um, trades and different GCs to get stuff done. This project, the George H.W. Bush project, is a little bit unique because it sits on a complex, the Capitol complex. It's in the middle of it. It's part of one of many buildings. You heard Ruben talk a little bit about all the different things that they have done on this job. And one of the things that Flintco looks at hard on a daily basis is making sure that the people that call this complex home that were here before we showed up can get to work every day either um, pedestrian traffic or vehicular traffic without any kind of interruptions because at the end of the day we're the guests in their home it's not they're the guests in ours and so with all the different utility work and with all the different lane closures that happen you know sometimes daily in a week's period of time you may close down five different streets, one each day in order to get some of the infrastructure work done. Well, the issue with that is when you close one thing down, you got to be able to communicate it out to the complex and to the building occupants and make sure that they have a way to get around and understand where they're supposed to go and how they're going to get there the next day. And in doing that, it causes a whole lot of things on a construction side of Uh, changing delivery routes to a job, changing how your workers get in and out of your building, changing how multiple different GCs are using streets that are available that are changing daily to coordinate tower crane deliveries that got to be picked with tower cranes and different things like that. So the coordination of the work is big on something like this because one, it takes up such a big footprint, the entire complex work. And then number two, because there's so many people involved. Well, one thing I would add that, uh, you know, we acknowledge the six packages that are part of the Capitol Complex Phase 1, but um, it's it's interesting that just directly across the street from 1801 is yet another project, uh, the State of Texas Employee Retirement System office building. And I know that Flintco, because they're, they're being very neighborly, they're also neighborly with that project that is not necessarily part of the Capitol Complex uh, Phase 1 work, although it's right there. So uh, I know this because that's another one of our projects, and we know that in the discussions that we have in, in OACs and, and, and other such meetings, there's always discussion of uh, coordinating with the other capital complex projects, but uh, w- nobody ever forgets that ERS is there as well. Yeah, Ruben, I'd throw, I'd throw the, the Bullock Museum. I know it's already completed, but that's another neighbor that's very important to keep open and operating. I know Flintco, this is right. you know, not an easy thing when you're digging a five-story hole uh, right next to their museum um, to keep those people happy. And, and I, you know, I certainly haven't heard any complaints, so uh, I'm assuming that's working out. You know, we can't forget the city and then ML, MLK is just north yeah. of, the, of the site, so you can't keep people from being able to travel on MLK either. Absolutely. So just a tremendous amount of coordination that goes into all of these different projects that are all happening pretty much simultaneously, right? And so all of these things need to work in concert together. Uh, so an incredible amount of coordination by Jason and uh, and the Flinko team and everybody involved, just making sure that things happen the way that they need to and that, uh, that people are inconvenienced as little as possible uh, by the entire project. And uh, I think that's an incredible testament to the work that everybody on this podcast is doing for this, uh, for 
for this project. So, uh, Tom, I wanted to turn to you. How have uh, the constraints of things like uh, budget, time, and access that you know exist on every project to a certain extent, how have these things really forced everyone to keep an attitude of flexibility and open-mindedness, just knowing that, that things can change and, and you know there can be roadblocks along the way and things like that? This project, being a, a state-funded project, obviously had to get legislation to approve the funds for the building. And I think Early on, when Page did the design, there was a, a budget set forth, and you know that was our our target. Things came to pass during the design development where we, you know, subsequently found out that we weren't going to be able to meet that budget. And one of the things I can illustrate: uh, the building is a, a rectilinear building, but it had a feature out on the Congress side that was kind of a scrolling freeform element, and it was kind of hearkening back to sheet music. I, I guess I need to back up and say that uh, there's a, a planned cultural venue for the building. And at the time, that cultural venue was always conceived as being kind of a museum to Texas uh, music history. So it was kind of interesting. So this, this free-flowing element was meant to kind of emulate sheet music. You know, we detailed everything out. It was a very complex uh, element on the building. It involved a lot of trusses that were hung from the building, and there was a lot of coordination, obviously, necessary with that. And when it came to get priced, we found that it was just not in our budget. So we had to go back to Paige and say, listen, you know, this isn't going to work. We need to find some other answer. And they worked really well with us. And, you know, in, in doing something like that, it's all well and good to do that when you're still in design. But unfortunately, in our case, we were well into construction and we had a lot of the floor structure up. So, you know, we had to work really well with Flint Co. to kind of understand what's already there, what can be adjusted, what, you know, what do we need to live with? And, that kind of informed our design going forward. So you kind of have to have a open frame of mind and be a little more pliable with something like that, where you're making a very late design change and, you know, s still can make it work. Yeah. One thing I would add is, uh, you know, having been in Austin for a while, I've, you know, I've, I've gotten to work with other, other architectural firms in town and I know Paige rather well, and I've worked with them for a long time. And uh, even uh, before the, the projects uh, had been awarded, um, we knew that they were of the opinion, and you know, right, rightfully so, that everybody that uh, works on these projects needs to cooperate with the, the rest of the complex because we have a larger goal in mind. It's to uh, execute the entire vision, the entire complex. And so uh, we had to play well in the sand is, is a term that I heard. And that's, you know, that's what we've got to do. And that's why, you know, when we first saw that the specialty facade, it looked cool. It looked very interesting. Um, but as soon as we started to identify the budget issues that Tom uh, was, was discussing, you know, you kind of had an idea of what might happen. But either way, we were charged with delivering that. We produced the structural design to support it. We actually even included a couple options. They've got, got priced, never was in budget, but we continued on. And now, as Tom said, uh, we're already in construction. They've already gotten to those floors. And then the decision was made to pull it out. Now we're figuring out how to pull it out and redesign uh, that part of the building. You know, we're not going to say no. Well, and even to that point, the flexibility on the, you know, on the construction side. So one of the things that I think has been very advantageous for this job, going back to Ruben's comment of playing nice in the sand, is we have been able to utilize some things on this job um, that even help particularly in that instance. Um, 
in order to work through some of these challenges that we talk about, you know, and some of this technology that people are using now and some different things like that attributed and kind of helped to that. One of the things that I was uh, enjoyed most when I got here was knowing that all of these different packages, other than the excavation package and the utility package, right, were kind of modeling all of their construction projects and different things like that, you know, and so doing that through the building information model or BIM stuff, you know, taking those models and putting them in place of kind of like real time as built and knowing where things need to go and being able to use models from other packages to kind of line up with ours or in this case for the wall being able to identify where things are at currently today in order to be able to give that information to hks and to page and to ruben and say this is what we got and hopefully this information will help you guys be able to make some decisions based on that um i think that's all been a a really big help for this type of job and unfortunately a lot of jobs in this business don't go to that level because they're either a not big enough in size to where there's a cost obviously associated with some of that stuff and sometimes people think there's not a lot of value in this case there was a huge value in in my opinion of sharing some of that different stuff around absolutely absolutely and and brian as we talk about playing nice in the sand and playing nice in the sandbox and, and everything like that with a project this size is there a concern with this many people working on the same project that there won't be a unified vision uh, you know so how do you how, how do you have all of the parties involved work to make sure that that doesn't happen that everyone's on the same page and everyone does have that unified vision that you need yeah as I was thinking about that as you guys were talking was you know we've got we've got different architects who you know we all compete against each other for projects but once you get to the point where you You've got your part and everybody's got their role to play. You've got to rise above that. We're not competitors anymore. We're collaborators. Uh, you know, in this complex, there's that I know of, there's three architects, which would never probably work together <laughs> otherwise. But on a project like this, we're, we're all, you know, in the same room and, and, and again, working towards the same goal. Like Tom says, we got to be, you know, you got to take your my firm uh, hat off. And this is the TFC 1801 Congress project, not not HKS project more page or anything like that so everybody everybody's gotta you know play the role one of those uh check your ego and check your uh check your allegiances at the door kind of thing just to make sure that everybody works together and 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 uh the project comes out successfully right you bet absolutely absolutely so uh ruben you've chimed in a number of times just on on the different aspects and the different roles that you play but tell me specifically about the importance of the role of structural engineers for the built environment and specifically this project tell me a little bit more about your role and how it plays into the overall success of this project well uh it's it's interesting you know uh a bunch of structural engineers, if we talk amongst ourselves, uh, probably bore most people about uh, if we describe what we do. But in short, when an architect has a vision or a design in mind for a building, we have to support that in, in being able to design a structure that will work, that will stand up, that will resist all the loads imposed on it, whether vertical or, or lateral. But we need to, you know, where we need to check our egos at the door, oftentimes our work product is concealed. Nobody necessarily sees it. They see the nice uh, images of from the exterior of the building. It's the architect's design that gets that gets seen. And you know, nobody takes pictures of the, of the concrete that we design. But we know that it's there, and we know that we're doing our part. So, as structural engineers, what we, you know, I feel like what we need to make sure is that we deliver for our clients, we deliver for the owner, and we cooperate with our 
construction manager, contractor partners on, on projects. Because again, we all have the same goal in mind. I ultimately am looking forward to that day in, in a few years when it's all complete. And not only all of Austin, but all of Texas will get to enjoy this complex. Uh, that, you know, ultimately is, is honestly, it is my goal um, on, on pretty much every project that I work on. But specifically for this discussion, for this one, I am looking forward to that day when, when me and my family are walking or biking the mall and we get to see our, you know, our work product. Absolutely. And that, that takes me nicely to, to one of the places I wanted to finish up with you guys is just to talk about from your perspective, what it means to you and your career, but also just you personally, what it means to be a part of a project like this, uh, you know, like Ruben was mentioning, being able to point and say, you know, I had a hand in uh, this project and in bringing about, you know, the, the overall vision of the Texas Capital Complex project. And so, uh, Jason, let's start with you. Uh, just for you personally, what does it mean to get to be a part of a project like this? Being a part of a project like this is a huge honor on two folds, right? For me personally, and then a little bit for Flintco. And I'll talk a little bit about both because I think they're very interesting. But for me personally, to Ruben's point, these are once in a lifetime jobs. They don't come around all the time. I've been in this business for 17 years and I've been a part of three or four of these big master plan type projects and they don't come around every day. And this one in particular, because it's in Austin and it has so much to do with the history of Austin is very special. And so we like to say that, you know, every job is important. But at the end of the day, some jobs are just going to stay with you a lot longer and this is going to be with them or one of them. To that point, I'll talk a little bit about the Flintco piece of it too because Flintco started this office down here in 2004 and I happen to be one of the very first 15 people to kind of start that office. And so I'm not from Texas and I never called Texas home until 2004, but I have three kids and they are all born in Austin, Texas. And when you think about Austin, Texas, outside of Texas, people think about the capital and they think about UT. And Flintco has had an opportunity to be entrusted by certain owners with doing some of these very iconic historical jobs in town. And it has been one of our goals and things that we talked about when we opened this office down here was to if we were going to put an office in Austin and make this our home to contribute back to some of the projects that really make Austin what it is. And we had the opportunity to renovate the exterior uh, skin of the Capitol 10 years ago, right? Which was a huge job. And UT is one of our bigger clients since we've been here. And they gave us the opportunity about eight years ago to renovate the UT tower, um, which we did as well. And then a couple years back, we did the Speedway Mall, which is the pedestrian mall that runs through UT that all the students travel. And geographically, if you're in Austin and you have the capital and you have the 40 acres or UT, what sits in the middle of it is the TFC complex. And while Flintco does work with TFC on their deferred maintenance side and different things like that, this George WH building was an opportunity for us as a company and for some of us people that have, some people like me who have been here since the beginning 
to kind of tie that history piece of the Capitol and UT all together. Because the pedestrian mall that Ruben mentions, that pedestrian mall as part of the TFC complex will attach to the mm -hmm. north side of the Capitol, and it will attach to the south side of the Speedway Mall that's going to run through UT. And so you can sit back, or at least I can sit back and say, hey, you know, this is a this is one of the biggest attractions in Texas, and it's got one of the biggest, it'll end up having one of the biggest historical values to it. And people that can go from here to here, I kind of had a hand in building or having something to do with building all of those parts and pieces. And that's really exciting. It's exciting for me. And it's also exciting for the company that I work for. And we're very grateful and very blessed that people would entrust us to do that. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a powerful testament to, uh, to the work that you've done and the work that Flinko has done uh, over the years in Austin. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really cool testament and really cool story. Uh, Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you personally and, and just uh, what, how it feels for you to be a part of this project. Well, I would kind of second what Jason and Ruben have already said. I, I think it's a, a really great opportunity to work on a, a project like this that has such a, a meaningful impact on the city of Austin uh, and the state of Texas. One of the reasons architects get into this business is because we just enjoy the process of design. And I think, you know, when you can kind of take an idea and, you know, through more and more design development, turn that idea into an actual built product, I think it's really satisfying at the end to look back, you know, over whatever it might be, three years and say, man, that was, you know, that was a really incredible job that we did on that project. I mean, it was a lot of late nights and long weekends, but at, at the end, it's it's really satisfying to look at it and say, man, this is, this is great work. It's a really satisfying experience to be on a job like this. Yeah, absolutely. A absolutely. No, that, that, that 100% makes sense. Uh, Brian, same question to you. Uh, you know, what, what makes this meaningful for you? Yeah, and it's, it's similar ideas. Um, you know, I'm not even a Longhorn, and I think the connection between the Capitol and the UT campus is going to be spectacular, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a great place for everybody to enjoy. But this project, like Thomas said, this is bigger than, than you know, typically we get a project and it's on a piece of land, and we, we do what we think is a beautiful building and great site and, and offer amenities to people and hopefully make their lives life a little better than wherever they're stationed now. But again, this is this is three, you know, two buildings and a below grade parking garage that before we got to this site, uh, before Paige, you know, had this vision, this was a bunch of surface parking lots and people parking on the street. Um, all the state buildings that already exist around here, uh, the parking garages are full and, the, you know, people are parking on the street. It wasn't pretty. And so, again, to, to work with, you know, Paige during this time and, and, and Larry Speck and Paul Bielmovich that you guys have interviewed already, you know, doing this uh, master plan and then, and, and, you know, issuing concept packages uh, so that we could uh, take it forward is going to be something special that, yeah, we can look the rest of our careers back on and, and take our families down there. And, and, you know, my wife always gets mad because whenever I'm driving around a city, I'm looking up at buildings and not at the road. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so this is another one I'm going to, I'll be driving down MLK and maybe I'll hit somebody, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. And it, it'll, you know, it'll be something I can, another, another building I can look at and be proud of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think that'll absolutely be the case. Hopefully not with the hitting a person <laughs> aspect, <laughs> but, uh, but, but definitely looking up and seeing, seeing things that you're proud of 
for sure. Uh, Ruben, carry us home with this. Tell us a little bit more about uh, what makes this meaningful for you. Obviously, carrying on the legacy and the history uh, that your firm has is a big part of this as well. But but tell us a little bit more about just your feelings towards being a part of this project. Sure. No pressure, right? <laughs> I, I have to say that in, in preparing for when these projects were, were going to hit the street, there was there was always this uh, page that issued their master plan. And, you know, I can honestly say that I... I read most of it. And it's such an interesting story from the beginning of the Capitol building itself was built and the story of the limestone and how important that limestone is to the entire Capitol complex and how it still carries on to this day. But um, I think that the history there and the, the the vision of the master plan is what tied everything together, I think, uh, to, to one of your earlier questions. I think that's what helped keep things in line. But as everybody on the, in this discussion has, has stated, being in Austin, just like Jason mentioned, I'm not an original Austinite either, but my family's here. I'm here. So home is where the heart is. And I really am looking forward to being at this complex uh, when it's done. And I will say that I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy being a part of so many of contributing to the built environment. Um, I can't help but reflect on the fact that, you know, uh, in our current times, you know, we're working, a lot of us are working from home with, with what's going on right now. Early on, when uh, the the uh, work from home stuff started happening. Just to decompress, one of the things I would do is just go, I, I ride my bicycle a lot. Most of the guys here know that. I would do bike tours around town to visit our projects. And to what everybody has said with the Capitol Complex and UT, one day I just found myself riding and I hit like eight of our projects because they're all right around there. There's nothing more fulfilling for me than, you know, as, as Tom said, taking an idea either on paper or in a computer model and making it into something tangible that people get to use and enjoy and that is of some use to them is one of the most fulfilling things about uh, what I do. So it's something that I, you know, uh, it still gives me a pep in my stepper, right? a pep in my pedaling or whatever the case may be, but it, it just makes it, um, it makes it all worthwhile. Yes, there are long nights, there are weekends, it's it's a lot of work, but when you get to look at what you've produced, it's it's it, it, it makes it that much more worthwhile. It puts some pep in your pedals. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, well, guys, this has been an incredible conversation. I've loved getting to hear a little bit more about the coordination that goes into a project like this, all the various hands that have to be doing, uh, you know, working together and working in concert to make something like this happen. And uh, I, I, I think that this is going to be a, a project that Texans and, and anybody can go and see and, and be proud of and be proud of the uh, the history and the heritage there. So uh, guys, thank you all so much for joining me here for this episode of the podcast. Ruben Martinez, Tom Stuhler, Brian Eason, and Jason Riley. Thank you all for joining me here on, the, here on this episode of the podcast. Thanks, Tyler. It's been great. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for joining along and listening to this episode of the podcast. We appreciate it very much. Of course, make sure you go subscribe to Flint Co. Forward on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts these days to stay up to date with everything going on in the industry. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.